0: 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Now, I really disappoint you. I've not been to Bible college. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And uh, I want to start reading with verse number 21. And a little lengthy reading. Not going to get by with the one verse tonight. And... The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. And then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, one etha of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli and she said "O my Lord as thy soul liveth my Lord I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord for this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth he shall be lent to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. He worshiped the Lord there. With the help of the Lord tonight, and we'll just see how this goes. I'd like to minister along this line. It is the greater good. The greater good. Would everybody say that with me? The greater good. The greater good. Let's pray right now together because I need the Lord right now. God, I come to you this evening and I'm asking, Lord, God, for your spirit. I'm asking God for your power. I pray, oh, Lord, that I'm just not sharing words, not just sharing words. God, that although my voice may be familiar to many, God, that it would not be familiar, Lord, in the preaching of your word right now. I pray, oh, God, today, Lord, I lay my life in your hands, God, for the next few moments, Lord, of what you would have and what you would want. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, I can't, Lord, make anything happen. I can't press anything, Lord, and make it happen. But, God, I can, Lord Jesus, just willingly render myself, Lord, into you, God, and ask, God, that you would, Lord, touch every heart, every mind, every soul. We need to hear from heaven tonight, God. We need the word of the Lord to dig us out this evening and find us Lord where we may be whether we be in Christ or not I pray oh Lord today I thank you and I praise you and I glorify Lord Jesus that great and wondrous name in Jesus name that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen hallelujah amen shake somebody's hand tonight before you are seated hallelujah Jesus there is something in life and it has been known for ages for ages and ages it is Something that is called teachers and things have uh, used it. People have used it to gauge people's academics. They have used it to gauge people's intelligence. And uh, for many different uses and purposes, it has been used. And I don't have a picture for you tonight, but whenever I mention it, you'll probably know quite well uh, what it is. There's something spoken of as being the bell curve. The bell curve. It is something that if, if you ever said, well, the teacher graded on a curve, they're talking about the bell curve. And what it basically does is, from a standpoint of a generality of society, it looks at society and it basically uh, will place the majority, if you will, of society right in that place of average. Places them right in, right in that place of just, just average, or if you will, uh, good. It's what you would call. The normal or the norm. Everybody's just kind of placed right there. Uh, there is a very few that may fa- fall behind that strategic place and that point of average and yet there are also perhaps a very few that would excel past Uh, that point in average so it kind of shaped how uh, everybody would look at people's intelligence how they would look at students how they would look at employees anybody that went above and beyond what was norm was just considered just to be just some overachiever they were just uh, somebody that was tremendous or anybody that would perform uh, lesser than that amount looky there (laughs) how'd you do that Uh, uh, below that amount would would, would just be an underachiever if you will, but they they gauged life, they gauged people, they gauged performance by the bell curve, and for decades, teachers, managers, uh, parents even have assumed that the performance of their students and their employees fits knowing what's well as a best curve, meaning that overall, if you would take a group and a sector of people, uh, for the most part, people are going to do just something normal, they're going to do something that is average, they might not to attain to any greatness, but they will do something that is uh, quite probable of the rest of individuals. They'll all just kind of fall right there in the middle and just do the expected if you will. Very few will be very good and very few will be very bad. Most people will just fall right along the lines of the average. But as as with anything, you know how it goes Uh, uh, salt will cause you cancer one year and a few years later they do studies and it won't anymore. You know what I'm talking about. Things are constantly dynamic and they're changing and according to new research whenever they have done research concerning this idea and concept of the bell curve new research suggests that uh, rather than the bell curve really describing how humans perform that actually it may have been constraining how people perform because they say rather than it describing how they're doing it may have actually caused them to behave. In such a manner and a way. Because someone brought this idea that for the most part there's going to be a people that will perform and act average. A People will conduct themselves or their intelligence will fall for the majority of people just among the norm. And as a result of that nobody even tried to go any other distance because this is what they say we are. This is how they say we will act. This is how we will perform. Just good, just normal, just average, just mediocre. That's where we all fall. It has not been very long ago. Uh, that I, in the process of reading a, a book called The Hurt Healer by Tony Nolan, that there was a statement that he made that I believe bears repeating and concentrating on perhaps just a little bit this evening. And he said that the good thing to do can often be the enemy of the best thing to do. And with that being said, I, I, I did some searching and I did some other reading. And I know it was a book that Brother Mason uh, read in just a few short days prior to receiving the job that he has now because of a recommendation of his boss called Good to Great. And if I may borrow the first paragraph of that book to set a tone for what I'm speaking of tonight, the statement is this, that good is the enemy of great. And that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools principally because we have good schools. We don't have great government principally because we have good government. Few people attain great lives in large part because it is just so easy to settle for a good life. The vast majority of companies never become great precisely because the vast majority became quite good. And that's their problem. They've just aspired to good, but they've not aspired to greatness I come to ponder today uh, Bishop as I did some praying here today and searching my heart as I have this week that although there have been governmental agencies and businesses and schools that have failed prone to this type of attitude and thing I believe that the church and I'm not talking about any denominal church but the church of the living God has failed true to the very same thing because we know how to have good church and we know how to have a good prayer life and we know how to have good worship but having those things as good has been a very enemy of us having the great worship and the great service and a great tenacity for the spirit of the Lord. I believe God is calling us in this hour to go beyond the good because we know how to do that. We can travel that path but God is calling us to the position of the great That was a good service. That was a good song. That was good worship. Oh God, you're going to help me tonight, I hope. Whenever we read of the scripture, and I'll get my sermon, and I will not, I'll try the best of my ability not to hold you long. We'll let the Holy Ghost just deem all that. Amen. But whenever we look at the scripture concerning the story here of Hannah, Hannah was without Child, She was barren. Her husband was Elkanah. He had two wives. The other wife was bearing him children, but Hannah was not bearing any children. The Bible tells us that Elkanah would go up. They all would as a family yearly unto the house of God. They went up with a couple of purposes. They went up to worship and they went up to sacrifice. We also see as they would be at the house of God that they would render prayers unto the Lord. And as they would oftentimes do, he would have to take a sacrifice and he would deliver some and portions of that sacrifice into his family. And he would give it to his wife that had many children. And so uh, the portion that he would give to her had to be enough to take care of her and the kids. So it's a pretty good portion because she has children. And the Bible says that he would always give Hannah a word portion but no doubt that portion was still yet somewhat behind that other wife because she had many children Hannah had none and so whenever she would be given that portion which was no doubt a worthy portion all it bespoke to her is what she was without she was without children she was without bestowing the greatest honor amen upon her husband of bearing a child and more particularly a man child and so year by year they would go up to the house of God this was their routine. This was their mode of life. We go to the house of God. We offer our sacrifice. We offer our worship. We offer our prayer. And then we go home. The next year would come. We take our sacrifice. We offer our worship. We offer our prayer. And then we would go home. And the Bible says on one of those occurrences. That Hannah is there in the temple. And she's praying unto God. Her soul is very very vexed. Her soul is very bitter. She's wanting a man child of the Lord. Uh, She's almost as Eli through Eli's vision and eyes uh, acting if you will as a drunken lady and he marks her mouth he gets her attention wants her out of the sanctuary because of the way that she is conducting herself and she speaks to him how she's just sorrowful of spirit she's vexed in her life because she wants a man child from the Lord and he states to her basically according to the times of life whatever your petition has been God is going to grant it unto you And she arises the next morning. She worships God because this is what we do. Yearly we go to the house of the Lord. We worship. We sacrifice. We pray. And then we go back home. And she worshiped the Lord. And the Lord remembered Hannah. Amen. And Elkanah knew his wife Hannah. And they conceived. And now there is a baby boy that's on the verge of being born. And oh, the exhilaration, no doubt, of Hannah now being able to bring a child into the world. More Importantly, a son into the world, and the Bible tells us in our reading tonight that here is Elkanah in verse number 21. He's on the verge of following through with his yearly routine, he's on the verge of going to the house of God, offering up sacrifice, worshiping. Praying and then returning home, and Hannah says, "Honey, she says, you know, we just had this baby, we just had this child, and I've already made a petition with God. I've already before, I've already made a vow in my heart that if God would have given me this child, then I will give this child back to God. I've already made that plea in my spirit and in my heart, but I can't do that until this child is weaned. I can't do that until it is no." No more giving suck at my breast, so I'm gonna to have to stay right here and wait till the appropriate time to take that child to the house of the Lord. Can someone say Amen? And all did a purpose already in her mind that I'm gonna give God the child that he gave me. I'm gonna give him back the gift that he had given me. I don't have any other children to offer unto him. I don't have any other sons to offer unto him. As a matter of fact, this has been my prized possession in life. I have sought God. I've cried bitterly and vexed greatly, amen, from the Lord about this. And now God has heard my prayer. But this very thing that I have been waxed, it with all these years wanting, I've already told God in my prayer and spirit, I'm going to give it back unto the Lord. And now we read in scripture that she does not go to the house of God until later. And it would seem to be, as most would think, that it's about three years then before she takes this child Samuel to the house of God. Back then, they kind of weaned him a little later in life. All right. Three to five years as a matter of fact. And so many believe that it's probably somewhere around the three-year time frame that she would take him back to the house of God. But the question then that I pose in my mind, Hannah, what would have been the big thing of just going on and taking Samuel the other three What, what what would have been the difficulty of you getting little Samuel there and going to the house of God after that that first year and go up yearly and follow through your routine and your formality of offering your sacrifice, praying your prayer, worshiping before God and going back home? I mean, you could have did that year number one. You could have done that year number two. You could have brought some some good sacrifices. You might have been able to bring a lamb or or maybe you would bring a goat or a kid. That would have been great wouldn't it you you could have brought these things because some of the things that you could take to god as burnt offerings in the old testament particularly in numbers 15 it spells out for us what some of those things were you could take a kid you could take a goat you you could take a lamb uh you 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 could take a ram or if you wanted to go to the top if you will uh, of the most expensive sacrifice the most highly you could take a bull. Now, a bullock, no doubt, is greater and bigger than, than, a, than, a, than a kid or, or than a goat. And, and as a result of that, it takes a little bit more food for a bullock. It takes a little bit more water. It might have been a little bit more trouble to travel from where they were to Shiloh, which was 15 miles with a bullock, than what it would have been a goat but they could come and offer up all their sacrifices and she could have did that year number one and still nursed a child. She could have done that year number two and still nursed a child. She could have done that year number three and still nursed a child. And whenever it came the third year, she could have gave her son into the Lord. So what's the big deal, Hannah? I don't know if this was passing through the mind of mama, but this is what I felt like the spirit, amen, laid upon me that was passing through the mind of mama. She's thinking if I expose that boy to the routine normalcy, the average, of going to the temple... And offering our sacrifice, saying our prayer and giving our worship and going back home. If I expose him to that good little thing, that good little service, that natural average little activity and performance for three years, there could be a possibility on the third year he would rather go home than stay at the house of God. Because he's going to see this is what we do. We go to the temple. mm, We go to the temple. We offer our sacrifice. I don't know what sacrifices they offered prior to the year that he was weaned. Samuel wasn't taken to the house of God. I don't know the sacrifices that was offered. It may have been a lamb. It may have been a goat. It may have been a ram. I'm not privy to that. But here they are. They offer a certain standard of a sacrifice, and they offer up certain worship and prayer for certain days, and then we go home. We come to church. We offer our sacrifice. We give our prayer. We give our worship, and then we go home. Someone's already thinking about home right now. and I, said, I can't chance him being caught up in what the majority of society does of going to the temple see everybody offer their sacrifice say their little prayers because this is what we do around this time of year and give their little worship and go home because there's a chance whenever he get three years old that he'll think that's all it consists of that's what it's all about that he would be sufficed to give God what is good rather than give God his best Could I even say quite on the contrary? Not even for Samuel, but for Hannah herself. Elkanah. I can't go for three years with this child by my side that I've already purposed to give God and go up there for three years and take him to God's house and us offer our sacrifice, say our prayer, and do our worship and me come back home with him. Because if I do that for three years, I might get in a mode and a state of mind that I can just go on giving God what is good whenever I've already said, God, I'll give you what's my best. Someone say amen. amen. Come on. She had the life of a child that isn't mine. If you'll notice the scripture of 1 Samuel 1 and verse number 24, the Bible says, Whenever they had weaned him, she took him up with her. Amen. With three. Everybody say three three bullocks and one eff- a flour and a bottle of wine and she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young I want you to understand whenever she took him to be winged whenever she took that boy Samuel amen when he was going to experience the first temple activity he had ever experienced in his life when she took him they didn't take a lamb they didn't take a kid they didn't take a ram they didn't take a lesser expensive if you will sacrifice they took the best that they could bring that the law required we we read scripture and he says hey you're not to bring it if it, if if it's crippled you're not to bring it if it's a flaw upon its flesh and that's all proper but everybody wants to bring a lamb because that's acceptable everybody bring a kid because that's what's good that's what's normal I see the span from a kid to a bullock. But why bring a bullock when you can bring a kid? (laughs) Come on. Yes, sir. We'll work and go. Why? Why? I mean, why in the world put forth any more effort, invest any more money, have anything be of a greater expense when you can get in and still have a mark by your name that you were there with something less expensive? Yes, sir. All right. Hallelujah. But on this day, it was going to be that boy's first encounter in the temple. I believe there was a mom that wanted to set a precedent for a boy. We're going to God's house and we're not taking that of the bottom of the totem pole of what God will accept of what's acceptable or what's normal or what's good, but we're gonna climb to the apex of this. The best sacrifice we can bring, we're gonna take it to God's house because I want my boy to have a mentality. When you go to God's house, you don't take anything that's just good. You take your best. three bullocks. I don't know what uh, all three of those bullocks was used for. Whenever you went to the temple and you were taking a burnt offering, that burnt offering could have been a sacrifice, amen, that was used for in performing a vow. She had a vow that she was keeping. Perhaps one of those was used for the sacrifice that was in conjunction with her vow. A burnt offering could also be a free will offering just from the abundance of the surplus, if you will, of your heart to bring that to the Lord. Perhaps it was that. I don't know. You could bring an offering as a part of a solemn feast one of these burnt offerings, but you had choice among all those of the herd or of the flock. You could bring a kid, a goat, a ram or a bullock. You can read of it, ladies and gentlemen, for your reference in numbers chapter 15, starting at verse number four. The kid was on the lower end of the totem pole, if you will, of what was acceptable, yeah. of what was good. But whenever you brought that unto the Lord, it wasn't just that alone hear me right now, when you brought that kid or that lamb, it wasn't just that alone. The Bible said you had to bring one-tenth a deal, of flour that was mingled, listen to the quantities if you will, mingled with a quarter of a hen of oil and a quarter of a hen of wine. But if you stepped it up to a ram, that which came along with it stepped up. You brought two, dent, two tenths a deal, hear me right now, of flour mingled with a third part of a hen of oil and a third part of a hen of wine. But if you brought a bullock and you brought the best that the law said you could bring, then everything else stepped up. You brought three tenths a deal of flour and a half a hen of oil and a half a hen of wine. Someone say amen. Amen. Someone say yes. So whenever you begin to understand this, the better the sacrifice, the more that was required of those things and those items that complemented or accompanied the sacrifice. Someone hear me right now. If you're gonna bring your best in one venue, those things that complement that, those things that are associated with that, those things, if you will, that accompany them, gotta step up as well. And so I get a little afraid because if I'm gonna go from good prayer to great prayer. That means I gotta step up my worship too. That means I gotta step up my giving well. That means I gotta... I'm all for ladies and gentlemen getting beyond the idea of just good church beyond the idea of a good sermon beyond the idea of a good prayer meeting beyond all that you want to talk about remembering I remember whenever it was the young people that called a 24 hour prayer meeting I remember those times I remember those moments what happened it was going from good amen to great from normal from acceptable unto the best and when that happens there'll be more required of you in every area of your life but let me tell you something there will not be an incense given into heaven like there was and it won't burn as long as anything else until you put the most expensive down on the sacrifice there's more fat in the bullock than there is in the goat oh yes And I feel tonight, and ma'am, you might think I'm just mean when it's all said and done. People have thought a whole lot worse things than me. But some of you might be thinking right now in my mind, in your mind, Brother McGee, I'm doing the best I can do right now. I feel that's what I'm up against right now. I'm doing the best I can do right now. Have you ever left a scenario and you said to yourself, well, that's good enough. I've done it. As I said this morning, life's not like it used to be. I used to be able to wash the vehicles every weekend. And I still wash them here and there. And there's a space, big and, between here and there. <coughs> and Sister Craig, most of the time I'm pretty meticulous. I might be washing, over the Brother Fred, in my life now it's a little bit more estranged <laughs> than what it once was. And I'd be washing... And there might be three or four tire tar tar t a r tar spots right there. I know it's going to take a little bit more work, a little bit more diligence. And you know what? I pawn off Brother Mason in saying, "Well, it's good enough," because to the average Joe that sees it from the street, man, that's going to look pretty good. For the normal individual it in among everybody else's cars, it's going to look pretty good. That's. That's good enough, but you know what holds me hostage? Although that's the way I walked away from that, I know. I know wherever I park that car, wherever I drive that car, if I drive it among the one that's splattered all with mud, it doesn't matter. I know that over there by that passenger fender are four tire marks that I wasn't diligent to get off, and as though nobody else knows it, I know it and it bugs the fire out of me and I'll tell my wife I can't believe I didn't do it because good enough just wasn't good enough. Amen, I believe God's calling us as a church to a greater good. You might be sitting there in your pew telling me, preacher, I'm doing my best or are you just doing, saying it's good enough? Are you walking away from church saying, I could have done a little bit more, I should have done this, I should have done that and only you and God will be held to a record of what you did not do that you know you could have done. Oh, God. It would have made no difference to the environment of the temple that third year. Had Hannah went up, gave their sacrifices, said their prayer, offered their worship, and went back home with her kid? Because that's what everybody else would have done. She had already purposed in her heart, God, I'm not just giving you what's good. I'm giving you my best. And she was impressing the mind of a kid. She's impressing the mind of a child. Honey, when we go to the house of God, we don't go and see what we can get by with concerning our sacrifice. When we go to the house of God, we put a lot of time in this animal. There's a lot of feed that's in this. There's a lot of money invested here. And it's a whole lot more worth than the lamb and the the ram and, and all these other things. He said, but whenever we come to God's house, I want you to know, Samuel, that we give God our... sometimes is there a generation gap in the church because a coming up generation never seen a generation before them bring anything else but a kid or lamb does it satisfy the qualifications for being an offering and sacrifice yes is it the best And it goes the distance. Not only am I coming with the three bullocks, and along with them, increased accessory items that accompany them. But God, when I leave here today, I'm not going home with that little boy that you gave to me. I'm going to give you my best. <laughs> somebody hear me right now and I won't hold you much longer I've been up here 30 minutes let's consider what would have happened if Hannah walked away with that's a good enough attitude Samuel's the first prophetic voice for the nation of Israel during dark, dismal, in a nation that's falling away from God times. What if Hannah said, there's my bullets. That's good enough. A time when Eli's vision went dim and his two sons, Hophni and Phoenix, are doing ludicrous things around the temple. And he can't even seem to hear the voice of God clearly anymore. He mistakens a woman's prayer for being drunk what would have happened if we just went with good old Hannah it's good enough I'll take this boy back home because everybody I'll just fit the mainstream of society and just do what's accepted That prophet Samuel, that when there would be the first king over Israel by the name of Saul, do you know who was the constant voice in the life of Saul? Although his rule and reign was a little bit topsy-turvy, although he started well and ended bad, do you know what the constant voice of instruction and guidance was for Saul? It wasn't even the voice of God. He didn't really go and seek the Ark of the Covenant, but every once in a while he'd have a talk with Samuel. Samuel would say, We need to go this way. This is what you need to do. This is what you ought to do. But what would have happened? What would have been the case if someone said, No, what I brought today is good enough? Although our eye can't see it, I wonder sometimes what went undone in some services what has went undone in some revivals because we just fell into our routine of going to the temple offering worship offering our sacrifice offering our prayer You can stand with me this evening. Most people will not aspire to be or go any further if they think where they are, they hear a constant voice that that's just good. That's acceptable that's acceptable and sometimes we tend to believe that years of service Trump performance let me tell you in the real world society you know years ago seniority used to be a big thing it's not as big as it once was especially outside of factory type of settings before I left U.S. Surveyor, they were changing things, and they had people that were seniors, seniors, or if you will, had seniority within the company. <clears throat> but uh, your raises and your longevity with the company, your raises mainly with the company, was going to be based not upon how long you've been there, but did you bring any profit to the institution? I'm serious. That there could been people and there was, but there could been people been there longer than me. Not get a raise that year because they didn't bring no profit to the company. Thank God, I start look at my life, I'm like, God, oh, I've been in this thing for since I was a child, 34 years. I baptized in Jesus' name, filled the Holy Ghost when I was eight. Started preaching when I was 12. Look, God. Isn't that acceptable? Isn't that good? Isn't that average? Isn't that the bell curve where we should all fall? Because really anybody that goes beyond that is an overachiever. They're really kind of, you know, one of those people believe you're so, you're just so godly and so heavenly that you're just no earthly good. I've not yet found a person like that. In truth. The greater good tonight is understanding that there are measures that are acceptable and there's measures that are good. But within the scheme even of his law and burnt offering process, He had some that was esteemed above the rest that was at the top of the ladder you could bring. And the one who was bringing the sacrifice, they and God knew. You know, many times he said, bring such and such, but if you be not able. You know, for a woman in her purification, uh, she could bring a lamb, but if she be not able, in other words, poor and incapable of bringing it, she could bring a turtle dove or a pigeon. But their criteria was if you be not able. How many people brought their turtle dove and pigeons that had every ability of a lamb? But they knew it was still acceptable to bring a turtle dove. I'm asking us tonight, what do we have in our hands when we come to this house? What do we have in our hands when we go to our knees in prayer? Do we arise and say, well, for today, that's good enough. And are you being held hostage then about the distance further that you could have went? Let's bow our heads in this place, if musicians may come. Sorry to keep you standing here. I said wholeheartedly tonight that I agree with Bishop and I agree with his wife. I agree with these people. I agree with the concepts of reading the archives of how this church came from where it was and I'm not just talking about this local assembly, the church, about from where it was to where it is. Imagine those prior to the day of Pentecost, that seven to ten day prayer meeting. Imagine if they entered into that scenario with the same mindset that they entered into the prayer meeting before Jesus was taken from the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter and John and some of the disciples say, Hey boys, no need to tarry. We can just do a little prayer here. And they'll just be good enough. No, but it was 7 to 10 day prayer meeting. A little bit more sacrifice, a little bit more investment. And suddenly there's a sound that comes from heaven. with a rushing mighty wind it fills all the house where they're sitting. And there appears into them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. they begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance, and it 's noised abroad, and the death-bound resurrection of Christ is preaching people. the word is preaching people's pricked in their heart. What must we do? And it's shared, and they follow through. Folks, our community don't need a good church to attend. They need a great church to attend. Amen. Right. Was... We don't just need a good service. Good musicians, good singing, good songs, because I believe we have that but it's that very thing and those very things that can keep us from climbing the rest of the way up this mountain peak. Just stay in that middle zone of the bell curve. And while there will be, there will be people who will find themselves there of the apostolic faith and be satisfied with good, there's something in my heart tonight That is longing for the best that I can render to God. Because I don't... God, I've seen some great things in my life. I've seen, in my estimation, Brother Mason, I've seen some of the best in my life concerning church and services. But I don't want my little Mariah and my little Trevor To grow up and see a kid and a lamb and grow up with this false impression that that's the apex of all it is and never experience a bullock sacrifice. I've been in camp meetings and have preached camp meetings that were good, that had the potential of being great. If someone would have just went on and grabbed the bullock that was right by the lamb bring just a little extra flour just a little extra oil just a little extra wine God is sweeping in this place right now God is sweeping in this place right now I, I ask you this evening first apostolic church That if you can see it within your life or within yourself to go beyond your normal right now in this altar of prayer. I'm asking you, can you go beyond your normal right now in this altar of prayer as they get ready to sing and they get ready to play. Let it be more than go to church. Offer your acceptable sacrifice give your normal praise let fall out your lips that, that repetitive prayer before church and go home will somebody grab that bullock tonight will you drag that animal to the altar will you cut its throat open and will you let the letting of blood go it's going to take a while because a bullock has more blood than a lamb a bullock has about four gallons of blood they say it takes about eight minutes for that blood to get totally out of the system that with every heartbeat, that heart's pushing the blood out of that incision that's been made past its juggler. It's going to take some time. <laughs> going to take some time. But whenever it has come to a close, you're going to understand that I brought my best. Yeah, it was a little bit more struggle traveling those 15 miles with this, you know, pulling and guiding. But, but whenever I leave the temple and go home, I'm going to know. But I brought my best. I brought my best. I brought my best. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just fill this place with some great prayer right now. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.